0: It's timely, it's insightful, it's motivating, it's empowering. It's Time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy.
1: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Time with Fred podcast. I have with me today a motivational consultant, international speaker, and author, Ahmad Batal, who has empowered people globally with his inspirational guidance and tips for cell development. Amar provides his audiences with the tools needed to achieve personal success, utilize willpower power, and de- determination. He also helps develop strategies that would allow people of all ages to achieve personal and professional excellence. He joins us via Zoom from Houston, Texas. Amar, thank you for coming on the podcast today.
2: Thank you for having me on, Rick.
1: Pleasure is all mine. Um, Amar, when I, you know, introduce my guests, there's always the great accomplishments of things that so they've done. But behind that, there's always a story about how, you know, the, the, the lessons they learned and, and how they got to where they are today. Just maybe a brief background as to who you are and what led you um, to doing the work that you do today.
2: All right. Thank you. Yeah. The, I'll just start very simply plain. i um At the very core, I'm a writer. Uh, I've been writing since you know, since my elementary age. And that has always been the foundation of me. Everything has sprung out and grown out of me from, from writing. And, you know, obviously that led me down a path where I was writing for my high school newspaper coming up. Um, I majored in journalism communication at Stephen F. Austin, was doing some side hustling with some camera work while I was there to pay some, pay some bills while I was in college. You know, and so I learned photography along the way, came out of school and jumped at a newspaper. And then that's when I discovered college football recruiting uh, and I got with scout.com rivals, Fox sports Southwest. And things just kind of took off from there for it. Uh, really was, was excited to, to look at young men, just a uh, show the athletic talent that they would, that they were doing, you know, every Thursday, Friday and Saturday. And I loved covering that process and did that for like eight years and somewhere between there. Um, my love for sports, um, just really propelled me to another level. Also, while having a total mental breakdown around the age of like 28, 29, where I had uh, ran into a relationship that let me and left me in a really bad spot. And I remember just, you know, kind of making a deal with God and was saying, God, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm, I'm out of here. So if you want to show me something, you're going to need to show me something by tomorrow morning. And I remembered what it was. It was like, I had a love for sports and athletes but I also had personal and spiritual development that I had developed to get me out of that. So I married the two of them by writing the book, Awaken the Baller Within, where I took young men who played at the highest level. And I didn't want to just know, you know, what was, you know, the touchdowns, the tackles and things of that nature. I wanted to know the mindset, which made them great because um, anyone who, any of your audience who knows athletes, they've seen a lot of athletes who have fallen off uh, mentally, right? It's like, man, he had all the talent in the world. How did he not end up better off. Well, it's a mindset. And I had come through and I, you know, come up with some philosophies that I learned from over the hundred athletes who I had studied. You know, most of these guys went to the NFL and the ones who didn't are right now very successful uh, family men. They're entrepreneurs. We're talking about actors, uh, construction managers. We're talking about, um, of course, NFL guys. Uh, one of them now runs a waste management company. So I wanted to be able to, to, to merge the two, athletic performance, Personal and spiritual development, of course, you'll see behind me when I got my uh, mental performance coaching um, out of San Diego with uh, Extreme Focus with Dave Austin. And that's really when things just started taking off for me, Fred, and I've really just sort of doubled down on all of that. And, of course, I've expanded outside of just the sports arena where now my target is young adults. So you'll say you're 17 upwards of about 28 to 32 And that is the target I work with a lot now from, you know, college prep, college, -college, post-college, pre-college, things of those natures. And I want to make sure that youngsters are prepared for life because when you look at what's been going on in society right now, there's a large number of youngsters who are not in the workforce and they're able-bodied, but they have zero direction. And so I like to be that gap in between like saying, okay, what what skills are we working with? What can we do? And take them through the mental performance coaching to where they can get from point A to point B. And let's let's, let's make some things happen and become productive adults in society.
1: That is that is so needed. That is so needed. Amar. When you went through your own challenge, personal challenge or relationship challenge, I know at some point you lo- lost your, your dad as well and uh, to um, to have you sorry to hear about your loss there. How how did you get through that, right? I mean, for a lot of people going through a tragedy like that is enough to just kind of stop them, right? I mean, it just kind of stops everything, but how did you find the strength and the courage to to, to keep going on in spite of, you know, the challenges, the personal loss that, that you went through um, at the time of your life?
2: At the time, I believed I was very strong spiritually. I, I sold myself on that idea. And so on my way when, you know, because this happened the night after my 33rd birthday, I celebrate my 33rd birthday. I open up my voicemail. I have five screaming messages from my mother saying my father is dying. Me, I didn't want to believe that because I said, you know, I pray to a God who says he can do anything. He'll never leave nor forsake me. He says he's always, he'll always be right there. So I'm like, my dad's all right. And I went into it with somewhat of an borderline arrogant attitude, like, I've already prayed to God, God's gonna take care of this. And of course, you, I get in there. And it's just like the Trail of Tears, 9-11, Columbia explosion. It was just so solemn, the line, the hallway of the hospital was just lined with family members. And I remember my mom just looking just shell shocked. And she said, Amad, what are we going to do? And I was just like, Mom, I got this, we'll take care of it. And I remember huddling my brothers and sisters up. And I said, Look, we need to be on one accord saying that our father's going to walk out of here. And we're not going to break this huddle until we realize that our father is going to walk out of here. Of course, at 456, 453, um, my father did take his last breath. And Fred, I was pissed because I was like, I don't I didn't ask you. And mind you, this is the same week. Awaken the Baller Within was published. I had just gotten my author copies in and was taking it because he died on a Tuesday I was taking the book to him that weekend and we were going to sit down as father and son and talk about this book I just published. I had his heart back ready to go. And of course, we never had to have that moment. But I remember going outside and screaming at the top of my lungs and saying, God, why would you do this to me? And I said, I said, I asked you for one thing. And I said, the one thing I want you to do is make sure my father walked out of this hospital and you did not deliver. And I remember while I'm crying, just sweating, crying. I mean, you can't at this point in time, you can't tell the difference. It's just pouring down and i remember the voice the voice of god telling me i'm i'm i have delivered your request to you my son your father is going to walk out of this hospital but as you mm. he's giving you the values he's giving you the work ethic he's giving you the strategies he's giving you everything he needs now i need you to walk out of this hospital and go represent your father in the way i blessed him to bless you mm. and that was a game changer for me at that point in time like my whole attitude towards everything business Spiritual, I, every, everything changed from there. I mean, it, it got to where that I, um, you know, I had my mentor with me at the time, and 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 I and I, I took I took two words, Fred, and I said that um, service and impact are going to be the foundation of everything I do, every action, everything, whether I'm at the gym, whether I'm at the grocery store, whether I'm at work, out playing, doesn't matter service and impact and having a deep sense of gratitude was the things that I walked away from and said I will honor this request and I will make sure that every time I step out that I take the VTOL name and make sure that it stands for something going forward.
1: What a powerful shift there. I mean, you talk about the anger that you felt uh, at the passing of uh, your dad and, and, and just if so, right? I mean, it's, you know, even as faith people, you, you go through challenges and, and you wonder, you know, wh- where has God and all of this? And it reminds me of the five stages of grief by um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross when she talks about uh, going through the stages of uh, denial, anger, um bargaining, depression, and then finally uh, acceptance, right? And and for a lot of people, it's it's they don't go through all of that. They get stuck. It's probably denial, and they live in denial for the rest of their life. Some it's anger, and their whole life just be- become angry, and they're angry at everything, and they say just can't seem to snap out of. For others, it's it's depression, and it's it's it's. It, it all depends, right? We all we all go through we all go through this uh, grieving uh, process uh, very differently. So with that shift, right? Which now you're you're on the other side. Now you're using your your experiences to now uh, help 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 youth, right? Or or maybe NFL NFL um, football is there. What would you say that process you know has taught you? What what has your philosophy in life become having either experienced that yourself or maybe working with people who, you know, go through different things in life and and how you kind of help them? Has that changed your philosophy in life at all?
2: Well, one thing I, I share from the jump, whether it's an athlete, whether it's a high school kid, whether it's someone who's, you know, in their mid-20s or whatever, and because I, I you know, compare everything to the game. Like I always say the game of life, Yeah, um, the game on the field, the game of life. And I always say the game owes you nothing. Right. Um, the sense of entitlement, the fact that you've, you've dealt with a lot of things. Um, that's not, that's not what you lead with unless you look at that as the fuel to move forward and make something new because, you know, it's like you, you say, you know, well, you know maybe you know my mom was on drugs and didn't love me okay you know my dad's been locked up since i was 12 years old okay you know i've been in and out of the foster care system okay you know maybe i was you know born with you know a, a slight disability i can still make some moves but it's a little bit more challenging right maybe i walk with a limp or things like that and i'm just like okay um i'm i'm empathetic towards that however it's like there's always cards that we are dealt Mm-hmm. And some of them, we don't, we don't get to decide the cards. Right. You know, you, you're from, you're from another country, correct?
1: From Ghana. Yes. Yes.
2: You didn't, you didn't, you didn't get to choose that. When you came out, you was like, I, I didn't want to be you, That That wasn't a choice you had. That was your parents' choice. You know, and I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I'm saying that was, that's a deck of cards. That's a card in the deck. You did not get to choose. Yeah. Whatsoever. And everyone has that story. Everyone has the I, I never wanted this. It's like you know, you don't get to choose your parents. Right. However, there's always there's always a plan for a win, and sometimes you just need to dig really, really deep. And I know I do a I do an exercise um, I've been doing with um, whether it's in the ministry with my teenagers. I've been doing it uh, my mental performance coach, and I do it with my nonprofits. And I really want people to just empty out all the woes. You know how to say you know don't have a pity party, right? I want you to have a pity party. We have an exercise where it's literally just a pity party. And I have a, you write down on one of those big, those big yellow tablets, you know, the big ones, the big, the big ones with the long, you know, long down there. You draw a line down the middle and on the top you write what's good here. And on the left side, I want you to write down everything. And I mean, everything that you feel like is bad in your life, this terrible, this not fair. That's uh, just egregious. How dare they do that to me? You know, what, how, why would someone do these do these things to me? And I want you to write down all of them. And I want you to get as emotional as you want, right? And write down all of it. You need to flip the page over. I remember the first time I did this, I think I did two pages on a legal pad. Hmm. And it was beautiful. And so then you take it and you, you know, you flip it over and you put it away. The minimum, I want you to let it sit is an hour. Maybe the rest of the night, maybe the weekend, who knows? But I want you with a clear head to go away you know, maybe go in a quiet place, maybe go into prayer, or maybe go into a quiet meditation. And I just want you to say, you know, man, like just clear the deck, right? Just, just clear all the thoughts. That's not easy to do. I understand that. But just try to zero out everything. If, it, if you can only do that for a minute or two, that's fine. But I want you to go back to that list. I want you to go back to that list. And I want you to write on the other side, why that moment was a great moment in your life. Mm -hmm. It's very emotional, but you will find that one of two things are going to happen. Either you have found that you were able to build strength from that situation, Mm -hmm. or you'll realize, why am I even thinking about that at all? And so, you know, if it's one of those things, you just scratch out and say, you know, thank you, we're done here. And then, you know, you go on to the next one. And, you know, like you said, you, whether it's, Whatever type of loss, whatever type of uh failure you've had. We know, I mean, you, I'm sure your bookshelf is just as stacked as mine. I see in the backdrop you have a lot of a lot of wisdom back there. Those people who wrote that, along with you and I, they've they've had a lot of losses, and that's why they're able to write those best-selling books.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Because no one figures it out. And there's no there there. Right? It's like, man, when I get there, where is there? Mm-hmm. It's an ongoing. Struggle. There's always somewhere you're trying to be. There's always a next hurdle. And even if you're maybe on autopilot, like you know, a couple of the guys who I who I deal with, including my uh, my biological father, like they're sort of an autopilot. They're just, you know, making sure their money's working for them and just having fun because they've they've already labored, right? But most of your audience who are sitting here listening, they're maybe looking for act two, three regardless of your age, there's another act. There's another part of life. There's another calling for you that's that's available for you. And so once you realize and clear out those weeds, then now we can sort of see, all right, what did we learn from me losing that high paying six figure job? Mm -hmm. What did we learn when the the mother and, and father was divorced? What did we learn when my son had a, a season and an injury and he can no longer play football. What did I learn when when all when all hope was lost yeah. and I'm looking at a catastrophe, a, a catastrophic situation? I want us to see the good and find the good in there. And it's not easy. I'm, I'm not fin- going to tell your audience that this is easy. It can be painful and it may not happen in one run. Yeah. However, it is a beautiful time to unpack your life and see where things are. It's sort of like I, I share with people as I go through weight loss uh, training, because I teach uh, I teach cycling classes down here in uh, North Houston. And I tell them, like, you know, they're like, you know, I don't want to get on a stick scale. I say, OK, easy. When's the last time you checked your bank account? Oh, every day. Interesting. But you won't take your health account, but you will check your bank account. If your health account is not taken care of, your bank account means much of nothing. And so. We we go through we go through those things and I, I push my classes to a lot of different things but that is that is one of the exercises I use uh, Fred to to help people just really unpack some things and and really see if there's see where we can find the wins because there's always a win somewhere and just you have to dig a little further for it. Yeah.
1: I love that deck of cards um, uh, quote there um, and there's. One actually that I I, I captured in, in my own book that I love so much um, by French philosopher Voltaire. And he says, and I quote that each player must accept the cards that life deals him or her. But once they're in hand, he or she alone must decide how to play the cards in order to win the game. So in other words, life is really what you make it. And I, I love that. And it resonates so deeply because we're there's always that. Desire to kind of look at what we have or what we don't have, rather, and 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 there's nothing wrong with it, right? The desire to want more, but uh, I, I think that realization of you know, okay, this this is what we are, right? How do we how do we take what we have? How do we use the resources? Because we've heard stories of people who came with nothing and and were able to transform their lives and ended up significantly with way more. And I wonder though. Um, as a coach yourself, how much of gratitude, right, ties into that because if and I mean, I've heard, you know, so many people come on this podcast and talk about the importance of gratitude, which they believe kind of helps you, you know, move from that state of inadequacy or unfairness or is me to that place of abundance. Right. I mean, in your experience, do you think, do you agree or disagree with that, with, with gratitude? And, and if so, how important is, is that right And in, in this you know, in this, in this journey, in this process.
2: Yes. Thank you. Gratitude is, is extremely high. On this. Gratitude for me is up there with love and service. Mm-hmm. It's extremely high because see so many people maybe get caught up in the idea of it's just like, well, if I had more, I would do more,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but you know, Regardless if you're if you if your audience is, is, is Bible readers or not, but it's like you you give from where you are, yeah. and then the increase comes when you are a willing and cheerful giver. Now, that doesn't just have to be finance. You can give of your time, you can give of your wisdom, you can give of some level of service, mm-hmm. right? You know, you're you're a businessman, I'm a businessman. You know, in in my um, I have in my in my goals for the year. That I allot three to five hours minimum, three to five hours minimum a week of just mentoring and servicing for uh for young men who need it, right? No invoice. Just I just want you to keep in touch, right? So when you talk about gratitude, gratitude is the knowing that I am blessed where I am, regardless of where I am, right? That's where the what's good here. The what's good here activates the gratitude because this situation looking pretty bad you walk up to a house and you know somebody throws a brick through your window that's not that's not good but like okay what's good here and i know it's that's a crazy example it's like well, what what good can you find with that well you might you might have found out that though that, that that window um only had about six more weeks before it was going to uh fall victim to some the next storm who knows right we just don't know these things but when you're in a state of gratitude you're telling god you're telling god like I Thank you for blessing me with what I have. And when you're grateful for what you have and you give from a grateful place, you're blessed with more.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Right. People always say, you know, when I make more, I'm going to give more, but you can't give more until you're willing to give from where you are. Right. So many times it's like, well, you know, I mean, I'm kind of tight. and, and, And I really had to, Fred, I really had to, Unpack that at one time because when I went through my divorce back in 2016, it was it was rough. Man, I lost like 65 percent of my income. I was paying for a home I couldn't stay in, so all the expenses and everything I'm still paying for it, and I have to find other places to live. So I'm doubling up what I'm paying for, yet I can't pay for where I'm pa- where I'm staying. So I'm paying to stay in these hotels, and I'm paying a mortgage, and I can't be in either one of them. So, and I remember I was just like, okay. God, I'm going to trust you. And I continued tithing through that. Every month I would have somewhere between $6 and $8.27 left in my account every month for like 10 months. And I was, I, I was freaking out, man. I was. I was I was scared. I was like, if one thing goes wrong, if one thing goes wrong, I'm I'm done. Right. I was up to my eyeballs and and, and debts and things like that. But I had to trust. And I remember I just kept being blessed. With one talk here that would take care of this, one opportunity here that would take care of there, one school that would book me here to take care of there. Then someone was like, hey, you know, we heard about you. Can you come back next week and we'll give you this? Man, I went to one talk. I was sharing with this group. I was their little teen group or whatever. I was sharing with them. I went down there. This is a labor of love. The pastor went around to everybody and did a love offering and gave me $70. Right? Like, and it's like, Okay. It's just $70. No, you need to be grateful for that $70. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think we try to quantify things. but it's like, well, oh, that's a big blessing, small blessing. No, blessings are blessings. And you need to be grateful for all of them. So yeah. when you have gratitude in your heart, you move different. Yeah, You move different knowing, knowing that your needs are met, knowing that everything will be taken care of because you believe in something bigger than yourself. And when you believe in something bigger than yourself, you can serve at a greater level.
1: I love that. You, you've written a couple of books. Your first book was um, Awaken the Ball Within and uh, you wrote a second one on or more, or more Than Enough uh, in 2019. Let, let's talk about that first one a little bit and maybe share some of the lessons that he captured in, in that book and maybe the impacts that it had on your, your, your athletes and some of these students.
2: Yeah, and it, it, it really came down to it quickly got pegged as the Athlete's Life book. Mm. Um Because what would happen is is parents who knew me from the sports uh, media work were just like, you know, this guy's pretty cool. I'll I'll, I'll buy a book from him. So what would happen is I would buy the book. They would buy the book. I would ship it to them and it would come in while their kids are at school. So the parents would thumb through it. And because I was a guy who didn't like to read early on, um, I wrote the book with no chapters longer than six pages. Big print. It gets right to the point. And so there were parents who were just like, this can make you a better everything, a better realtor, a better parent. And so it quickly became an athlete's life book. But it's like dream building, goal setting and a relentless pursuit for greatness is the three takeaways that that my athletes got from working that. Because you got to remember, I was looking at the top athletes, you know, coming out of Texas in different areas, different hotspots of football players across across the country. And I, I profiled them. I did basically the same thing Napoleon Hill did with Think and Grow Rich. I did that with football players and it was, it was awesome. I'm actually excited because I think I want to do it again. I want to do something like that again. So, but what the a baller within, uh, was, it was a huge success, uh, for me and really sort of cemented me into, into a new, a new way of, uh, of doing things and, and working with athletes.
1: Yeah. Well, or some of the, uh, uh, success criteria or some of the things that some of these, uh, at least did that, that set them apart. So oftentimes you see them all, oh, this guy's great. You know, they're making X amount of money. Life is good, but they're, I would, I would imagine there's a lot. I mean, you're, 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 you went through that. You're a sports person, right? There's a lot of discipline or some of the things that, are, that set them apart from, from everybody else.
2: They were always willing to go extra, mm-hmm. right? They, they, they had goal. They had goals going in every year. I remember I was talking to a five-star athlete and I still keep in touch with him to this day. Um, And he used to just, Like, I mean, this guy was, like, untouchable. Like, he he gets the ball in his head. You can't catch him. You can't do anything with him. And every offseason, he would still have objectives of where he felt like he could get better. You know, on third down, I feel like maybe I can yards here and there. I want to strengthen up, uh, you know, my lower body so that I can break more tackles or whatever. They were always – they were never complacent with the success they had. Hmm. They were always looking to improve. And what you found from a lot of those – from a lot of those guys is, is that they were absolutely, um, what's the word I want to use? They were always willing to pick the team up. They were team first guys. These guys were major, major recruits. We're talking four or five star athlete guys. They are the top of the food chain. When those lists come out of the top guys in the city, country, and state, these guys were in that list. And they always made sure to help the lesser which is obviously another biblical principle as well. All those guys were willing to help out the team and do what was needed to be done. It was never about them. It was about are we going to get the win? And what do I need to do to contribute to this win? Because maybe I don't need to have the best stats for us to win this game. And I'm willing to do what my team needs for us to be able to win this game.
1: How about that? And then and then your second book that you wrote are more than enough. Can you share a little bit about that as well and maybe a couple of lessons that you captured in that?
2: Yeah, it was um um that was one of those books that, that can't that can't it's interesting most of my books came out of a dark place now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. Um I am more than enough. It was it was it was another it was another crash around that time. Um what
0: inspired that but,
2: <laughs> you say what
1: what inspired that one?
2: Um I had I'm gonna say lost my way. I had lost my confidence.
0: Mm.
2: Um and what I mean by that is I had gotten complacent with my success. Awaken the Baller Within, I was doing a lot of speaking engagements. Um, It was, you know, post-divorce, like, and I was trying to rebuild my life. And it was just like, I was just chasing after everything, but I didn't have any strict guidelines as to what I was doing. I was out there just running at whatever came my way. And eventually I just burned out. Mm -hmm. And I remember writing I am more than enough because the I am is images, everything, um, Um, mindful changes, mindful changes. And it was the idea of sitting down and saying, okay, what I'm doing is not working at all. What do I want and how do I achieve it? And who do I need to reach out to, to make sure that this works? And that's, that's really, because that book was really short and right to the point, like people calling me saying, I read this book in an hour and a half because yeah. it was really short because I did that on purpose. I wanted it to be a manual that you could read while you're in the airport. Yeah. Something that you can get to very quickly and it has action items and, and things of that nature. And the cool, the crazy thing is Fred, I, I rewrote that book two or three times and I remember I tossed some things out, brought some things back. And so I'm actually going to repackage it again, uh, probably in the next two years or so, but I, I'm working on another project right now that, that know, uh, sort of hindered me from doing that. But I, um, but that that book came at a very good time, and a lot of people uh, lives were changed from that book. Yeah.
1: How would you define success?
2: Through useful, rightful, uh, righteous service. If I had to sum it up quickly, useful, righteous service. I think that that is where success comes from. Success comes from the idea that you are doing a useful deed or service for someone else. And for that, they exchange with you goods and services or monetary value, Mm -hmm. but you first need to bring the value, right? A lot of times somebody like, Hey man, I'm just going to go up in my prices. Are you offering more? Mm -hmm. What are you doing more? You know, because any high level entrepreneur will say, you give a lot and the price you you it's like you over you overdeliver many times and that just sort of has to be the the way you operate and i think you find success when you help enough people get exactly what they want and do it in a rightful and righteous way you in turn will be successful
1: mm. i like that and if uh you are to speak to someone who is listening to you right now. Of course, someone is listening, right? Someone who may have found themselves in a very dark place, um, like you were, um, you know, a while back, and they just can't seem to know how to trim it. Maybe they're in that anger phase in life, or maybe they're in that denial phase, or maybe they're in that negotiating phase, or maybe they're in that depression phase whatever that stage may be right We all all of us are in you know different phases in life and just can't seem to snap out of that they may be saying well you know I'm out, you know you had help you had you know your you know spiritual counsel of guidance and all that all these people where i don't have anyone how do i find the help how do i get out of this rut uh that i'm in right now what would you say to them
2: First and foremost, to sit still. Just find a quiet place and just sit still. And don't say or think anything. Just do your best to just sit and be. And it was interesting what you said. You said that, that someone who's going through and they're in a depressed state and they have no one. One of the things I would encourage you to do is find someone.
0: Mm.
2: Tap into a community. Mm. Life is not meant to be lived alone. Mm. No one becomes successful by themselves. No one It's like, you know, you got all these people. Yes, I sought them out. Right. I remember when I went and got my mental performance coaching, I remember looking through the Internet and I was like, man, I want to be able to help athletes and I want to be able to put together a program to do that. And I searched the Internet for two weeks and I found a guy and I skip traced him all over the place. Two years later, I ended up running into him and. Los Angeles, California, and he ended up showing up at this conference, and we exchanged information, and I became part of this program. When you're when you're depressed and downtrodden, I like people when I'm going to the discovery processes to think back at a time when you do feel like you were winning. Interestingly enough, I actually am working with a couple of gentlemen right now, and some of them have honestly told me they don't feel like they've had a win, either they can't remember or it never has been. So um, <laughs> I'm going to have to get into the lab a little bit deeper and see where we're going to go from there. But I I think the main thing is is to to sit still and decide where are you and where do you want to go. Let's just let's just keep it simple. Where are you currently, and where do you where do you want to go? Because obviously you need to take care of the basic necessities: food, shelter, you know, um, you know, housing. Those are the basics. If those are taken care of, then now, now what are we? Are we in a situation where maybe the job we're at is not enough fulfilling? It's not paying enough. But either way, I, I want I want your audience to, whether they're religious or not, tap into a community somewhere. Whether it's the, the community civic center, whether it's a church, whether it's um, you know, at the job, maybe there's a there's a group, you know, that meets sometimes. Just tap into other people there are so many different groups. And the thing is, it's like, at some of these churches, you don't even need to be a member to be some of these groups. You don't even need to be a part of the church, but there's groups in these churches and different civic and community centers where you can get the help you need, right? There's a lot of people out there offering services. And I think because we live in such a torn apart, polarized society right now, the idea is like, there's not loving people out there who want to help. And it's like, I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. There are so many people out there yearning to help anyone in any type of demographic. We have people who walk into our church literally straight off the street, and we get them when we and we bring them in somewhere. Find a community, right? If family, if family's tapped out, of course, go to your family first, right? But I know some people, family's not an option for them. Maybe there's been some br- bridges burned, but
0: yeah.
2: you know. This is a good year for you to make amends, yeah. repent, yeah. ask for forgiveness. You'll be surprised when you when you do that, because because I'd, I'd imagine Fred, somebody in your audience is dealing with uh, guilt, shame, loneliness, and the way I've always gotten out of that is find somebody you didn't leave on good terms with and. Seek so them out and say, you know, I apologize for whatever role I played and the reason why we're here. And you will find many times that that person was in need of the same thing you were at that time when you just open up and, and just become vulnerable in that way. Um, that's that's just that's just humility. And, and so awesome. I, would, I would say if I could use a word, I would say humility would be the word to help them get to that spot.
1: It's also very liberating right when you when you when you do that but i i what what a way to kick off what a way to kick off um 2023 with 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 that i mean just 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 get help right i mean you can't you can't do it by yourself no no matter how badly burnt you may be there is still room for grace out there and i i trust that you've gotten something um out of this podcast out of this interaction with uh my special guest, Mark Vital here, who's uh, just being so gracious to share of his experience and the work that he does and um, just, just pouring out to us. And this is really why we do what we do. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and sharing and um, just connecting and, and, and pouring out. I, I trust that this has been um, as, as fulfilling for you as it is for me all the time, just sitting on the back, just asking all these questions. There's a lot that I, I gain more than anybody else, because I I, I get to ask all the all the, the the tough questions sometimes, but it's 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 all it's all really with well the intent of helping, um, not only me but but our audience as well. So I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing um, for for you, for for everybody out there, and the work that you're doing. And I I wish you the very best, uh, in 2023, as you continue to pour out and, and give of your time and, and resources um, as well. So. I appreciate you.
2: Thank you, Fred, for having me. And uh, hopefully, some of your audience can, can look me up if they want a little bit deeper um, yes, understanding of something I'm going to
1: add that. You want to share your, your website and where they can go in and uh, read more about you and the work that
2: you do? Yes, it's maudvital.com. That's A H M A R D V as in Victor, I T A L.com. Maudvital.com. Also, uh, for the Time with Fred podcast uh, listeners, um, I just came out with a new book called Now What: Five Steps to Get Up and Create the Most of Life. Your audience can have access to that book. Go to uh, booknowwhat.com. It's a free copy. My publisher is giving out uh, some free digital copies. It'll be available. You just put your email address in there, and you can get a free copy. Look forward to connecting with uh, some of you all. And thank you, Fred, for taking time to bring me on the time with fred podcast
1: absolutely the pleasure is all my brother really appreciate you and uh yeah let's 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 do this again sometime
2: absolutely thank you for having me